Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of History Remastered. Today I'm going to be talking about the topic of nostalgia and asking the question whether we are nostalgic for the Middle Ages and I'm going to do it kind of focusing on the film which came out in 2019. It's called The King. Timothy Chalamet starred in it. He played King Henry V of England If you haven't seen it, don't worry, because I'm going to run through what happens in the film, first of all. And then we're going to move on to talking about this idea of being nostalgic for the medieval period. And I'm going to argue that we are nostalgic for the medieval period. And yeah, so let's get started. So let's first run through what actually happens in the film. The film came out in 2019 and it's about Henry V or Hal as he's called in the film. And Hal is the Prince of Wales, he's played by Timothy Chalamet, and his father is Henry IV of England. So Hal at this point he's pretty uninterested in becoming the king at the start of the film despite being the first in line to the throne and he spends his time drinking, partying, sleeping with loads of different women. He's living it up kind of thing. And Henry IV, who's on the throne, Hal's father, decides that Hal's younger brother, Thomas, is actually going to inherit the throne instead of Hal. And he sends Thomas to go and deal with a rebellion. But Hal goes to the rebellion too and kills the rebel leader. And then Thomas, the younger brother, he's upset because he thinks this was his chance to kind of show himself as being worthy of being heir to the throne and Hal's just kind of upstaged him. So Thomas takes his troops which he'd already gathered to Wales but he gets killed in a battle basically. So you've got this kind of slightly strange setup where Henry IV is the king of England on the throne, his younger son Thomas who he'd named as heir is now dead and Henry IV then he himself dies, he gets ill and dies and so Hal who originally had kind of been circumvented in the succession he becomes the king of england he becomes henry v and so from this point on in the film it's all about the relationship between england and france so you have at the time the dauphin of france who is the son of the french king charles VI, and the dauphin is played by robert pattinson in the film and he sends henry v an insulting coronation gift he sends him a ball to indicate that henry is kind of careless and only interested in games and fun and of that life that he had before he became king and so it's it's an insult to Henry V it's done intentionally in the film and then supposedly what happens next is that the king of France himself sends an assassin to kill Henry V and so in the face of all of this Henry's chief justice William Gascoigne he persuades Henry that he should declare war on France and show how strong he is as a king And Henry does this, he declares war, he goes to France and he defeats some French soldiers at the siege of Harfleur and then he pushes further into France and that's when he's met with a bigger French army who are being led by the Dauphin of France in the film. And Henry challenges the Dauphin to -to hand-to-hand combat to try and save the bloodshed of a massive battle basically. But the Dauphin says no and so the armies face each other in what is the Battle of Agincourt which you might have heard of. And the English are winning, so 
the Dauphin then decides, okay, I'll take Henry up on his earlier offer and they fight Hal and the Dauphin. The Dauphin falls in the mud and then Henry allows the English soldiers to kill him. So then in the film, Henry goes on to reach the King of France himself, Charles VI. Charles surrenders and makes Henry his heir to the French throne. So we end up with the English king, Henry V, who is now also King of France. And Henry marries Catherine of Valois to secure this. That's the daughter of Charles VI. And then right at the end of the film, Henry finds out that his chief justice, William Gascoigne, who persuaded him to take strong action against the French for their assassination attempt, that actually William had made it all up. Gascoigne confesses that he'd staged these acts of aggression against Henry because he wanted to incite Henry to taking action against France. And so then, in the end, Henry has Gascoigne killed. So that is a very quick run through of the film. And there are quite a few historical inaccuracies. For example, the Dauphin of France, he wasn't actually at the Battle of Agincourt. At the time, Charles VI, the Dauphin's father, was ill. And so the Dauphin stayed with him. He didn't come to the battlefield. And in the film, Henry kills the Dauphin at the Battle of Agincourt, which took place in October 1415. And in reality, the Dauphin, who wasn't at the Battle of Agincourt, he died in December 1415 from dysentery. Another historical inaccuracy, for example, is the sending of the tennis ball as the insulting coronation gift. We don't know if that actually happened or not. Some historians think that it's possible, but it's definitely not certain that it happened. But what matters for the purpose of this podcast episode is that those things were included in the film for a reason. They fit this narrative of an English king who personally conquers the Dauphin, who kind of underestimated him. There is a lot of emphasis in the film on the individual conflict between Henry and the Dauphin, and that kind of peaks in the scene where they fight against each other, where the Dauphin falls in the mud and Henry allows the English soldiers to kill him. And so in this way, you get this wider narrative of the English being victorious in their kind of great defeat of the French at the Battle of Agincourt. And this wider narrative becomes centred on Henry V personally. An English victory against the odds is personified in Timothy Chalamet's character. And this is what I really want to get across, because when we step back from the film, we're left with this depiction of a medieval king, Henry V, who kind of embodies English greatness. And we can see evidence of this today. The Battle of Agincourt has been used in politics to draw on notions of English exceptionalism and victory. So, for example, during the Brexit Leave campaign, you've got Daniel Hannan, who was a member of European Parliament, who delivered an edited version of one of Henry V's speeches, where he replaced the names of the Dukes of Bedford, Exeter and Warwick with prominent Vote Leave activists. We also see another politician, Jacob Rees-Mogg, talking about Brexit at a Conservative Party conference in October 2017. And he was likening Brexit to, and I quote, It's the Great Reform Bill. It's the Bill of Rights. It's Waterloo. It's Agincourt. We win all these things. And so you can see in that case that, again, Agincourt and Henry V, it's being drawn on as a kind of victorious, patriotic history. And in fact, a reviewer of The King from The Economist kind of summed all this up 
when they wrote that Henry V has for centuries been a, and I quote, patriotic comfort blanket, something to be wrapped around Britain's shoulders in periods of anxiety and doubt. And it's on this basis, the basis that the film represents a comfort in the face of anxiety, English victory, patriotism, that the king draws upon a sense of nostalgia that we have today for the Middle Ages. Scholars of memory like Svetlana Boym argue that it's easiest to remember something when it's coloured with emotion. That's how she puts it, coloured with emotion. She's basically saying that we feel nostalgic for something in the past, which holds some emotional value for us. And as in the case of Henry V and his depiction in The King, we see the emotions of patriotism being drawn on, but also feelings of sadness. The film depicts the amount of suffering and death in medieval warfare. And so it's kind of combining this traditional patriotism that we felt for Henry V with today's aversion to warfare. And we also have scholars like Siobhan Brownlee, who've argued that if we think of a past as distant in our minds, like the Middle Ages, then it's easier to manipulate it in present day because we feel connected to that past emotionally, not necessarily on the basis of knowledge. It's not about the fact that we know kind of every in and out detail of that history, it's that we feel an emotional connection to it. And so again, in Brownlee's work, we're seeing this idea that uses of medieval history today rely on feelings of nostalgia, like in the case of those Brexit speeches and politics, which were drawing on ideas of British victory. And so I think that's the main point that I want to get across today, that the King and Timothy Chalamet's portrayal of Henry V, that contributes to a feeling of nostalgia and emotional connection with medieval history. I mean, think about it. We often hear people talking about things like the good old days or wishing they could go back to a simpler time. And as Jan Asman, another scholar who works in memory studies, has argued, victories are much easier to remember than defeats. And that's because they support positive and patriotic emotional connections with the past. And the king, which at its very foundation is a tale of English victory over the French. That facilitates these nostalgic feelings. We know this because it's been weaponized by politicians trying to push 21st century agendas, as in the case of those Brexit speeches I was talking about. And so beyond fitting Henry V and the Battle of Agincourt in amongst this wider trend of nostalgia for the medieval period, I just want to finish up by noting that when we are engaging with these public histories, and being drawn in with nostalgic and patriotic feelings. It might be an idea to remain a bit critical. In a review of The King in The Telegraph, the director of the Agincourt Museum said that, and I'm quoting now, it's really worrying that one can rewrite history to this extent, and it's hard for us to fight against this. The public will always prefer a film to a history book and then going on to talk about the people who'd actually died on the Agincourt battlefield in 1415. The museum director said, there are people under this earth, people who really died in this battle. And that's, I think, what I want to leave you with today. This question of, should we allow ourselves to be drawn in by a nostalgic, patriotic story of a heroic 15th century king invading France 
when we are also at the same time dealing with a story of real suffering, real battles and real deaths. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I do have to say that this episode was again inspired very much by the work of one of my friends, Olivia Burnside, who I mentioned in the last episode, who's actually studied the film The King with regards to things like nostalgia and memory studies. And she did let me use a couple of her ideas in there in today's episode. As always, if you can, please leave a rating for the show on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to keep up on kind of behind the scenes info and message me with any feedback, then you can do that on our Instagram, which is at History Remastered Pod. And I also just want to say that coming up soon, we should be seeing a couple of interview episodes with some history experts, which is very exciting. So do keep an eye out for those. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye.